Hi, and welcome to the Milk and Coffee Podcast, your coffee break for the ears. My name is Ava, and I want to invite you to slow down, simplify, and explore the art of cozy living with me. This is your invitation to embrace a more nourishing way of being. So grab a cup and get comfortable. I'm so happy you are here. Hey, hey. Hello, my beautiful friends. How are you? I hope this episode finds you well and you make yourself comfortable, maybe with a hot drink. Today's episode is going to be a very, very cozy one indeed. I'm actually back recording episode 17 and episode 18 because I am out of time this weekend and I wanted to make sure they're landing in time. And I laid out a sheepskin rug to help with sound quality. And what happened is that my dog, Lars, decided to lay down behind me and fall into a peaceful slumber. And he's snoring occasionally. So episode 17 and episode 18 on the Milk and Coffee podcast may be tenderly punctuated by my dog's snoring. Light comes later in the morning now and darkness arrives more quickly in the evenings. The days rapidly grow shorter and the air gets crisper and the notion of spending time curled up with a good book and a cup of tea sounds increasingly perfect. Outside the leaves are falling and are making a season of nature's dying. We see beauty, right? When we look outside we see all the beauty but we're actually witnessing decay. And in that, autumn is such a magical time of transformation. Whereas summer had us in a soft, warm sleep, autumn is a season of renewal, of soul growth. In Rudolf Steiner's Calendar of the Soul, Patsy Scala writes, Just as a mother births a child, we must carry ourselves to birth in the wombs of our own souls. We steal our spirit's desires and rekindle our self-awareness. We are bringing forth the force of our thinking, feeling, and willing soul into its autumnal role in the world. We are birthing ourselves to be the world's strength as the earth itself begins its long road toward the darkness of a winter grave. Ah, I just adore that. We are birthing ourselves to be the world's strength. And isn't that so very needed right now? We are bringing forth the force of our thinking and feeling. And is there a better vessel for our soul's explorations than the gift of words? To get lost between pages and sink deep into the world of story? I don't think so. Books are a powerful way to learn, and I believe that every written word that finds us has the power to teach us, whether that is a feel-good romance novel, a piece of classic literature, or a widely praised work of nonfiction, there's always a takeaway. There's always something gained from reading and from listening and from sharing because books teach us about what it's like to be human and we read as to not feel alone, right? If you subscribe to my free Substack newsletter, you will get a piece in your email inbox tomorrow where I might even go deeper into exploring why our autumnal souls needs words And also I'm going to share cozy ways to enjoy books this autumn, even if you have little time to read. In this episode, however, I want to share five books with you that have given my autumnal soul a lot in terms of nourishment and transformation and soul work. Maybe you have already read a few of these. 
but hopefully there is still a gem or two in here for you that you have not read yet. In the weeks before Christmas, I traditionally only ever read feel-good novels, but in early and mid-autumn, I like to put the nonfiction mostly aside for the year, but I do like to sit with stories that are entertaining but very rich in their humanness. However, there is one piece of nonfiction that I have just come across and that I strongly recommend to you, and that is On Our Best Behavior, The Seven Deadly Sins, and The Price Women Pay to Be Good by Elise Lunin. So again, the title is On Our Best Behavior by author Elise Lunin. I first came to love Elise when she was host on the Goob podcast, which in my opinion has not been the same without her. When she left Goob, I started following her podcast, Pulling the Thread, which I also highly recommend. I'm excited when she announced that she's working on this book. During the summer months, though, I just didn't feel like I had a mind for it. So the more surprised I am now about how much it is touching me. I actually shed some fiery, fiery tears as early as the introduction, as sadness and anger grabbed hold of me. And I believe you will also feel deeply seen in Elisa's words. There's a reason this book was an instant New York Times bestseller. Elise explores how the seven deadly sins came about and how these ancient ideas of morality still control and distort our lives as women today. It reveals how trusting in our natural instincts can return us to a more balanced, peaceful, and spiritually complete way to live. In her writing, I find that Elise is clear and accurate without being long-winded. It feels freeing to see so clearly how these ancient ideas are used completely out of context to shame us for our desires and strengths and capacities. Author Lisa Tadeo wrote a critique about this book, and because I couldn't say it better, I won't attempt to. So here's what Lisa wrote about it. On Our Best Behavior is a stunning, big and bold encyclopedia of how to live. The first post-pandemic book to take our latest measurements and provide something fresh to comfort, embolden, enlighten, and enrich who we are today. Elise Lunin is never instructive, but always right. The book never flags. Each section has a takeaway for how to live wiser and an anecdote to help you feel less alone. It is nothing short of tangible necessity in our new, intangible world. Mmm, powerful. (laughs) The audiobook is actually recorded by Elise herself, which I personally always really appreciate when the author comes and um, reads their own books. Well, if they have, you know, the inclination to (laughs) to do it. Um, So I highly recommend you give this book a listen or a read. Um, I do think it has the potential to change your life from here on out, or at least how you see your your role in the world as a woman. And that's just what certain books do, right? They can change the trajectory of our lives. There are a few books that either immediately or in hindsight have had a major impact on my life. And one of them is my autumn read recommendation number two, the book The Mists of Avalon by Marin Simmer Bradley. I wanted to include it here because I find it oddly fitting next to Elise's book, to be honest. Even though The Mists of Avalon was first published in 1983, so three years before I was born, 
but yet in a way it is the old fairy godmother of on our best behavior it is a fantastical saga on what once was before the romans forced christianity through the british islands and when the belief in the goddess was waning but still re revered amongst many i do think there's a lot of parallels even though elisa's is a contemporary work of nonfiction, and this is, you know, a, you know, a fairly um, aged work of fantasy saga. I, I do think there's there's so many parallels here. I first read this close to a thousand page book when I was in my early teens, and honestly, it was most likely way beyond my full comprehension. But looking back at it now, it made sense to me. It felt true somewhere in my bones. And it still feels so true. Though I haven't read it in years and years, it, it sat with me. And it wasn't until this year that I kept thinking about it and that I felt the urge to pick it back up and read it a third time. And reflecting on it, I think this book might have just been what set me out on my own journey of spiritual discovery and asking some important questions about the beliefs I grew up with. This book has the ability to teach you to hold change with grace and to walk steadfast amidst a world that is reshaping around you, leaving you in the mists in many ways. The story itself is the retelling of the Arthurian legend from the perspective of the woman in the story, first and foremost, um, Morgane, also known as Morgan Le Fay, and it is known for its feminist and mystical themes. The novel has had not only a significant impact on the modern fantasy genre, but it really had a massive impact on me personally. In the book, ancient pagan beliefs and Christian influences clash in a battle for the soul of a kingdom. And it's a spellbinding blend of romance and magic and the enduring power of sisterhood. This epic reimagining is a must-read for anyone who adores a tale of love and courage and the enduring legacy of legend, and honestly, anyone who's been enjoying a woman's circle lately will certainly enjoy this book. It is earthy, it is mystical, it's foggy, milky, misty, moody goodness, that's what it is. Speaking of which, there is something about contemporary Irish writers that is also foggy, milky, misty, moody goodness to me. Um, there's just something about it that feels like a wool sweater to me, mostly cozy, sometimes scratchy, always worthwhile. <laughs> I've long been an admirer of Sally Rooney. And when f a friend recently recommended Caroline O'Donoghue to me, thank you, chill. I immediately picked up her novel and book re recommendation number three today, the book, The Rachel Incident. The Rachel Incident by Caroline O'Donoghue. Now, this novel explores the relationships between a young English literature student named Rachel, her best friend James, her professor, his well-connected bourgeois wife, and Rachel's lover Carrie. The book is aching with the joys and sorrows of love, and it is oddly humorous despite the darker socioeconomical and cultural setting. Most of the novel unfolds in 2010, as the Irish economy seems to crumble amid a global recession. So hidden beneath all the banter and all the shagging is the exploration of power dynamics and the meaning of friendship. 
It is one of those books that you're just not ready to finish. I just want to live inside books like these. I just overall have to say there's just something about these contemporary Irish authors for me that I'm, I'm just loving. If I had to describe Rooney's or O'Donoghue's work in a, in a color, I think it would be gray. Because gray is neither particularly happy nor is it particularly depressing, right? It just is. Gray in all its shades offers variety and this huge spectrum of emotions. And their writing is like that. On any given page, it could turn from a subtle, warm, taupe gray mood to a standoffish, vulnerable, cool blue undertone. It's just, it's bittersweet for the lack of better words. The characters drive the story and are well-developed and are multifaceted. And the prose is minimal, conversational, and I think very realistic. The story explores the complexity of youth and friendship and of coming of age in a rapidly changing world. And I think it's highly relatable. It was the racial incident that actually made me ponder on my own university graduation, which like Rachel's was um, in 2009, like on the, on the really peak of the recession. And, and I hadn't thought about it in a long while. And I realized that I never grieved the loss of a career that could have been. Through my schooling and my university days as a business major, me and my classmates, we were promised the world just to be completely let down. No, not even let down. We, we crashed, right? We crashed into a recession with barely any jobs available for graduates. And the few to be had were vastly underpaid. My first job with a business degree was as a factory worker, as a factory worker at a semiconductor company where I had previously interned in their human resource department. And, and my salary as an intern two years prior to graduation was actually more than this, this job. And it was an incredible learning experience. And it wasn't a bad job altogether. Like it, there were so many things to be gained from that, but it was actually through this book that I started wondering what that did to my overall attitude and my belief system towards, you know, what success looks like and, and my own capabilities. Anyways, I highly recommend it to all fans of Sally Rooney. And I also really recommend it to everyone else. I particularly recommend it also if you graduated from college right around that time. Um, and yeah, I just recommend it. Just pick it up and read it. <laughs> Coincidentally, my fourth recommendation today is actually also by an Irish author, and I hope I won't totally butcher her name, but I want to share about the book C Cacophony of Bone by Karini Doherty. And Cacophony of Bone leads us through the circle of a year. It is a journey from one place to another, um, sort of like field notes of a life, really. It is a tale of a changing life and a changing world from winter to winter. But it also is about everything that doesn't change, right? Everything that keeps living and breathing despite of it all. The book starts after Winter Solstice 2019 with Carrie and her partner moving to a remote cottage in the heart of Ireland, where they are looking for stabi stability, a home, something to settle into, something to grieve what hasn't come true for them. And then surprise, the pandemic arrives and 
the chosen remoteness becomes enforced isolation. But the season still passed and the swallows returned and the rhythms of the natural world went on and their life was changed in the most unexpected, longed-for way. I don't know how to talk about this book without using words like fierce and beautiful, deep, otherworldly, yet so earthen and personal and heart-expanding. I am not sure I have ever come across an author like Carrie. There is meticulousness and intensity and addictiveness to every word she writes. And yet there is this melody to it, a lyricism like I've never encountered before. And her writing, both um, in, in style and also in, in design of the book, is fragmented, but really wholesome. It is brimming with life and yet speaks of winter in a way it sends chills down your spine. Um, One critic wrote, and I have to quote him because it is just so accurate. Um, He said, Carrie has a deeply personal voice that feels as if it comes not from her, but from the earth beneath her. Yes, yes, that's it. From the earth beneath her. I could I could not think of a better read to start off into a season of darkness and short, cold days. Go read it. Go read The Cacophony of Bones, um, especially if you're a mama who's already very connected to nature. Uh, maybe you even somebody who has a nature journal yourself. Like, I think you're going to love it. Lastly, I want to give you a poetry recommendation, especially if you don't have the time to to go fully in to a big, long book. Maybe poetry is what your body is craving. And though I will have to say that the cacophony of bone is really, truly a work of poetry too. I mean, sorry, I'm going to have to quickly switch back to it once more because it's just that good. I mean, let me just read this one paragraph to you. It's um, on page 22. Hold on. Swimming where the sky and the water are as one, lines and land, where the cold and my bones learn to dance, stillness and swans and surrender, fog breath ice lung love, mist and mackerel in the sky, moments, birds and belonging, blurred life and lights. How beautiful is this? And the whole book is just full it's just full of beautiful words like that. It's it's just, I don't know. I can't stop talking about it. <laughs> but anyways, my last recommendation is a shorter piece. It's a book of poetry. It's called The Dream We Carry by one of Norway's most famous poets, Olaf H. Haug or Hauge. I don't know. I should have looked up how to say it in, in Norwegian. Um. So I can't take any credit for coming across this book at all. Like my new friend and wonderful poet, Kat Farrell Davis, mentioned it to me as a must-have. And she was right. The book features um, poems spanning across all of his career and features both the original poems in Norwegian and then opposite the translation, which I find really adds to the appeal. Um, Even though I don't understand Norwegian and I can't read it fully, just seeing these words dance across the page that I do understand added some magic to me. And his style is restrained but rooted, and his imagery is spare and unpretentious, which I like. 
And it's poetry like the romanticism side of, of an apple orchard, right? There's, it's simple and it's beautiful. <laughs> There's so many good ones in the small book and they describe the land in such a clear yet beautiful picture that you may just be able to taste some salt of the sea on your lips too when you read it. I do think there's a slight melancholy to his work as um, I hope to expect from a Norwegian and naturally it's those darker pieces that that drew my Nordic soul right in. So let me just uh, read um, a short one to you. Uh, It was significant to me. Don't need nor heaven if I ask for light. But bring a hint, some dew, a particle, as birds carry drops away from a lake and the wind a grain of salt. I just love that. And with that beautiful poem, I want to close out this episode. And while I do not feel by any means that I deserve to be mentioned amongst these fantastic authors, I too am a writer. And so it would feel wrong not to mention <laughs> at all that you can buy my own book, my memoiric work on motherhood called milk and coffee years that is full of poetry and prose um you know really my own journey in words and you can buy it through my webpage and i will also link to it in the show notes i think it will make a great christmas present or present for any expecting mother or mother um, in any season for more recent work um weekly spillings of poetry and explorations on the art of cozy living, motherhood, marriage, and being a mother artist, you can subscribe for free to my Substack newsletter. It's called Milk. There's also a paid subscription option that gets you direct chat threads and Zoom calls with me as well. Um, so just know that if you're, that, just know that you're invited to all of these offers. And I hope you're going to pick up some of these books and I would love it if you, shares your opinion on them. I would love if this opened up a conversation. Um, Don't hesitate to write to me on whatever channel. And I hope you're going to be here again next week. Until then, I send you love and love and love. Thank you so much for being here with me today. I hope that this episode left you inspired to seek a slower, more intentional life. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe, leave me a review, Let me know where you like to listen to my podcast or write to me. And most importantly, tell all your friends about milk and coffee. For more nourishing lifestyle inspiration, supportive mindset shifts, and all the coziness, follow me on Instagram at ava.maria.smith and subscribe to my Substack called Milk and Coffee. Or go to my webpage www.avamariasmith.com. I would love to talk more. Remember, Slow living is a journey and I'm here for you. Take a deep breath now and seek the beauty of this day. How lucky are we to be alive?